a listener production. In January 2021, a flurry of reports arrived nearly back-to-back. So first, General Motors announced that they'd be phasing out petrol engines by 2035, transitioning completely to electric vehicles. And then second, the Biden administration announced a plan to electrify the entire U.S. government's fleet of vehicles. That's about 700,000. And then third, the Japanese government, against really strong objections from Toyota, they announced that they would be phasing out sales of petrol-powered vehicles by 2035. So does all of that represent the final tipping point toward electrification? Are we now seeing a transition that has so much momentum that it can't be stopped? G'day, I'm Mark Pesci, and the coming next billion seconds will be the most important in human history as technology gives us the tools we need to cool down the planet. Nowhere is this more visible than in this rapidly accelerating transition to electric vehicles. In the previous two episodes, we've heard from co-host Sally Dominguez and special correspondent Drew Smith learning from their own observations about what all of this means. In this episode... I'll take a different focus on vehicles so common we nearly always overlook them. Vehicles leading the way into electrification. So come along for a battery-powered ride in this episode of The Next Billion Seconds. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. For me... One of the good things to come out of the hot mess that was 2020 was that I bought a bicycle and I ride it all the time. It didn't start that way. At the beginning, I went for a ride every fortnight. It was largely because I hadn't ridden a bicycle regularly for almost 30 years. Ever since I had a particularly nasty crash on the pedestrian footpath on the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, my front wheel quick released on me. I came down on my face and I knocked out two of my front teeth. And yes, that hurt just about as much as you can imagine. Now, fortunately, I was wearing a helmet. Otherwise, well, we might not be here to recount that moment in a podcast. So I bought this new bicycle in March 2020, just before everything shut down. And although I was a bit of a hyper-vigilant rider at first, remembering that accident, I have not for one minute regretted the purchase. Sydney, well, if you've been here, you know... Sydney is not actually the easiest place in the world to bike. Not only is it a series of poorly connected peninsulas, it's a series of hilly peninsulas. You're always going up something or down something on your way between one peninsula and another. It's hard work. On the other hand, my thighs are now in excellent shape. Sydney's... Automobile drivers, they are famously impatient. It's probably because they're all dealing with the same how to get around the poorly linked peninsulas question that basically turns Sydney's roadmap into an obstacle course. And it means that we now have so many tunnels under the city, it's beginning to resemble Swiss cheese. Drivers don't like bicyclists. And I assure you that the feeling is mutual. Few things 
have been a happier site in Sydney over the last year than a lot of temporary bike lanes going up on major surface roads. There's a big plan to put a bike path down the middle of Oxford Street, and, and we'll see if these bike paths are truly temporary or whether they're simply a test for how much roadway automobiles are willing to give up so that bicycles don't need to compete with them. I mean, it would be nice if the whole of Sydney and all of its suburbs became broadly and safely accessible by bicycle. It would change the way we think about getting around town. In a lot of ways, that change is already well underway. In a moment, we'll take a look at that change and hope that we can finally see what's obvious. Australia is such an odd combination of past and future. It may be that Australians are more wedded to the petrol automobile than any other people in the developed world. Yeah, sure, you see a few Teslas here and there, and I know a bloke down the road who owns one of those very boxy-looking BMW i3s. But when you go out past the inner cities, on the whole, there's just not a lot of electric vehicles. And there isn't a lot of support for them, so there hasn't been the kind of interest that you see in America or in Europe. But that doesn't mean we're not seeing vehicle electrification. There's an electrification revolution happening in Australia. It's just not where you're looking. Everywhere I go, I see bicycle deliveries being made on electric bicycles. I see people riding on electric scooters. I even see kids balancing on those wacky one-wheel gadgets, these electric vehicles that power a big fat wheel popping through the middle of a skateboard. And if I didn't think I'd break my ankle, I'd probably give one of those a go myself. They're definitely the future. It's all very exciting. And it's all happening everywhere I go in Sydney, right under our noses. Now, I do have some issues because I wonder if a vehicle that can hit 30 kilometers an hour should really be on the footpath with me. And I wonder if someone on a scooter that can go that fast shouldn't be wearing a helmet. <laughs> and just as I wrote that line, someone on an electric scooter whizzed past the cafe that I'm riding in wearing a helmet. It's all a bit wild west out there right now because it's all happened so fast. There's been no chance for our laws to catch up. I don't own a car. I don't plan on owning a car. I'm not against it, but at least right now, I have no need. Still, it is easy to imagine the day when I get tired of riding up and down and up and down and up and down all of Sydney's many hills, when my knees and my thighs just really can't take that kind of abuse anymore. Now, with luck, that'll be in 20 years or more. But the thing is, based on what's already happening right in front of our eyes, I know that at that point, I will have my choice of amazing, inexpensive, durable electric bicycles to power me along everywhere I want to go, wearing a helmet, of course. And it's exactly this that makes Australia's transition so elegant and so invisible. At some point in the future, it will simply be the sensible decision to get an electric vehicle. It just won't be an electric car, but it will do what I need it to do, and it will be electric and clean and amazing. So we really are going electric here in Australia, just not in the way we thought we would. 
And if that's true here, it has to be true elsewhere. The electric car, it might not be the main play. Some of that has to do with the technology itself. An electric motor powered by a battery, it's a very different proposition from an internal combustion engine. Electric vehicles of any size are perhaps a tenth as complex as petrol-powered vehicles. And that means they can scale quite differently, both in size and in price. You can make a small motorcycle. You can shrink the engine and all the powertrain components. But there are limits. On the other hand, you can't really make an efficient petrol-powered skateboard. I mean, you might have seen one in a video. But the first thing you notice is how ridiculous it looks, how poor a petrol engine is as a fit. Whereas an electric skateboard, it looks nearly the same as the one powered by a human. And it costs not that much more. We already live in a world with lots of electric vehicles, whether they're golf carts or personal mobility scooters or people who have difficulty walking long distances or motorized wheelchairs, all sorts of things that we pass all the time and never recognize as electric vehicles. All of that tech has been around for a long time, but now it's all getting very cheap because they're no longer the exception. They're going to be the rule. So this idea of a one-size-fits-all petrol-powered family vehicle, that may be supplanted by a range of vehicles. An EV for long trips, one that might be a community resource like the Go-Get Community Cars in Sydney, and then the family might have an electric tricycle, something that can carry 20 or 30 kilos of cargo for a trip to the supermarket. And then everyone in the family might have their own electric bicycle to get them around on a daily basis. All of that would work very well in Sydney, where it's basically warm and sunny all year round. It might not work so well in Winnipeg, where it reaches minus 40 in the winter. So there's clearly going to be a need for a range of solutions to get people around. But all of them can now be rethought because the basic idea of what a vehicle is, that has already changed. We've already been through that transition. And what lies before us is a world where we're experiencing an accelerated rate of development. I'm going to call it a mutation in all of the ways we use vehicles to get around. And all of it has been enabled by cheap electric batteries and efficient electric motors. And it confirms what Sally and I saw at the Consumer Electronics Show back in 2019 when Honda demonstrated a range of bizarre, fun, modular, mutant electric vehicles. There's another transition underway, not a transition to electricity, but to autonomy. And yes, we have all been waiting a long time for a self-driving car. It's likely by the end of this decade that the technology will be good enough in most circumstances to do the job as well as a person can. A lot of the danger associated with autonomous vehicles comes from their size and weight. When something that weighs two tons comes hurling at you at 100 kilometers an hour, your life depends on whether it knows when and where to stop. But an electric tricycle going around to the shops, that's, that's probably never going to get much above 10 kilometers an hour, and it's unlikely to weigh more than 60 or 70 kilos, which means it's perfect for autonomous driving technology. It'll add some cost, so that'll show up at the high end first. But in five or ten years, it'll be cheap enough that it will basically be in everything. So we can expect a generation of tricycle-type autonomous devices. 
perfect for puttering around the neighborhood and safe enough that you can pop the kids on them and send them off to the school or their friends or to the park. I'm not sure we'll ever see an autonomous bicycle, though I can guarantee you that at some future consumer electronics show, we will see a crazy inventor pedal up to the show on some sort of wacky autonomous bicycle. And who knows? Maybe that's just the right solution for biking at night or in adverse conditions. Maybe it'll catch on. Because everything about transportation is changing. No, wait. Everything about transportation has already changed. The lightning has already struck. Now we're just waiting for the thunder to roll in. In our next episode, we'll sit down with co-host Sally Dominguez and special correspondent Drew Smith to make sense of this rapid shift toward electrification. Are we at a tipping point? We'll see. That's on the next episode of The Next Billion Seconds. The Next Billion Seconds was written and presented by Mark Pesci, producer Alex Mitchell, and sound production by Darcy Thompson. If you like this show, hit the subscribe button. And if you know someone who might like it too, please share it with them. For more about the topics in this show, visit our website at nextbillionseconds.com. This is Mark Pesci, thanking you for listening. Listener.